In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. And who who are Amanda Duberman and Elise Morales? Really, we had we had a we had a a, a great chat with our team just about you know making the podcast as good as it can be, and they had the very good and gentle feedback that a uh, you guys don't really say introduce yourself. You are? So like, That's true. I was just like, <laughs> it is Amanda, Elise, and Millie. The people know. But the yeah, the new listeners, Amelia is obviously not here today. So we will, you know, do more formal introductions uh, on Monday. But um, who is Elise Morales today? If you're a new listener, um, comedian, writer of the Betches Sup newsletter, uh, person who's currently basking in the beautiful New York weather. I mean, we're we're divided on the sub team as to whether or not it's too hot, but yeah. I am appreciating the sun, and that's who I am. Mother to Rusty and Biz, a dog. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I, I relate. I am also a identify primarily as a pet parent. I would say, um, yeah, it's a, it's going to be like eighty eight degrees in New York today, and uh, I don't know, just to go from like sixty to eighty eight is a bit. It's a bit – I am very fair. I am on the extreme fair end where like people even that would rather me spend more time with them are like, Amanda, you've been at the beach simply too long. Also, I, I got like a very minor cosmetic procedure last week, so I can't really like be in the sun. So I'm just like out Amanda there like all the, the other – Amanda got the George Santos filler. <laughs> she got the George Santos <laughs> cheek lip combo. <laughs> Can't you tell? Can't you tell? <laughs> the next podcast video, people are going to be like looking for it. It was like very, very minor. Maybe I'll talk about it like someday. But um, yeah, so I'm just like out there with all the other Upper East Side ladies with, um, you know, my my Lululemon uh, hoodie and a Lululemon hat under it trying to preserve preserve my brittle, brittle Your skin. Dermis. Yeah. Well, Millie, of course, is off in the Dominican Republic probably getting know, lots of sun. I know. In case anyone's wondering, Millie is at her brother's wedding. In the Dominican Republic, where she is officiating. She's, as far as I can tell from Instagram, she's landed in Punta Cana, and God bless her for it. I mean, you know that 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 ceremony is going to be a laugh a minute. Like, it's going to be so good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I I wonder if she's doing it in English or Spanish. Probably both. Yeah, I actually don't know. Uh, One time when I was a kid. A relative of mine had their cer- they had a full Catholic ceremony in both English and Spanish. I was like Ooh. eight years old. I I swear to God, I it was like the word. In my mind, the ceremony was fifteen hours long, <laughs> and I remember I was deemed old enough that I had to stay. But two of my younger cousins, who were my sister's age, left and went to McDonald's. Oh. <laughs> And I was like, why don't I get to go to McDonald's? And they're like, you're a big girl. You have to stay. And yeah, I was like, at least I you don't. should say that you are like, what, five years older than your sister? I am. Yes, but it was 10 and five. So it's not oh, like, okay, a, okay. like I'm like right, 10. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, it's not like I'm 15. I'm like fully 10. I Take don't speak McDonald's Spanish. For Happy Meal. I don't speak Spanish. I already am antsy enough in church. I'm used. We're also like Episcopalian. So I wasn't even used to like the length of a Catholic mass was foreign to me. It it was a terrible experience. Being but I'm sure kid, I don't think Millie's doing that. They're no, no. Buddhist, that would be very so funny. I don't think that Being that's a kid is just they're so you're really bored a lot of the time. Like you got to go to museums. You're bored. Your parents take you on trips. You don't appreciate. You're bored. You got to sit through a wedding ceremony. You're bored. Oh, now I'd love like, that. Now that sounds now, delightful. 
We like a trip to Middleburg, Virginia to go antiquing sounds literally amazing. When I was a kid, I would be like screaming, holding onto the car door, like, don't make me go. Yes. <laughs> we would go on nature walks and craft fairs, and I hated it. And now I'm like, sweetheart, why don't we go to the Hudson Valley for a weekend? Right? For a nature so we walk and craft fair. Yeah. It sounds beautiful. Oh, yes. Well, I recover <laughs> from my anti aging. <laughs> All right. We've been reading your reviews on the new format, which has been super, super helpful. And it sounds like everyone's super down, but we want to kind of restructure some things to be a little bit more, you know, structured, have those segments that we've been trying out kind of firmed up. And then we're going to introduce a new one. We'll tell you more about it on Monday that Millie brought up and is going to be a very, very, very fun and allow us to kind of communicate directly with you all uh, a yes. bit more. It's definitely a common feature on most podcasts. And I think it's about time we, uh, we bring it. We bring it. Yeah. I and mean, there might be a Get bit excited, of a town folks. hall aspect to it. Yes. Get excited. So today, in the meantime, we will just sort of do like a news buffet because there's so many random stories. There's not really like a prevailing one, but I do want to touch in on all of these. As Lee said, it is a beautiful day in New York, which apparently it is the rule where if if it's a beautiful day in New York, then Trump is suffering. Some, Trump is doing something <laughs> yes. he would rather not do. That's just meteorology 101. Um, I wonder if he is going to Vita, Vita Corota like <laughs> Taylor Swift. I, you know, I feel like when Trump comes to New York, he eats at the Trump Tower Cafe. He gets like that weird, uh, like taco bowl that oh. he advertised that looked fucking mm-hmm. disgusting. Um, but if he does go to Vita, Cor- Vita Corota, I have seen on TikTok from the Gaylers that Taylor's appearance at v- Vita Corota is some sort of signal again to the Gaylers? Oh, that specifically, she is, hmm. yes, it's related to the overarching conspiracy. I can't remember why. Well, she has butterfly pants on, which people are interpreting as that's definitely like a a, a pretty clear symbolism after just a breakup of any kind. Maybe she's you know a metamorphosis. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I got I don't know what cues specifically have the gaydar. But <laughs> yeah, I you know what? I I'm neutral on the gayler of it all, but I do appreciate the TikToks and I do think that like this I guess is the price that Taylor pays for being someone who famously does puts Queer hints <laughs> in all yeah. yeah, and like literally puts hints for years, she's put hints in the liner notes about everything. Like, she actually does Easter egg her entire life. Yes. So it's like, once you do that, then everything is a potential Easter egg. Even that sounds just like hell. restaurant you go to. I know. that's it. It's tough. but Like I main character energy, TikTok. but taken to just a dramatic extreme. Yes. What is Trump doing here? He has apparently arrived as of this morning on Thursday to the office of Attorney General Letitia James for a deposition. It's part of her massive civil lawsuit against the Trump organization. James has substantial evidence that the organization lied about its value in order to get more favorable terms for loans, taxes, and insurance. And if you're not paying enough taxes because you're lying about shit, you're stealing from New Yorkers. So we want to get that back. The trial starts in October, and it could find the Trump organization $250 million and ban the defendants from ever operating a business in New York. It's crazy that like Trump could still even just do that. Trump has denied the allegations and attributes the investigation to Letitia James being racist. <laughs> Calls her a racist. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I do wonder like, okay, Trump Tower, this is my like perpetual question. Trump Tower is one of the properties he actually owns. Yeah. That like he actually does own that. But if he can't operate businesses in New York as a result of this, like, when does Trump Tower cease to be Trump Tower? Because he barely lives there anymore. Mm -hmm. He's more associated with Mar-a-Lago now, which is so interesting because he used to be associated with New York City specifically. It's why, like, he's in all the it's why he's in like home alone takes new york i mean right, he also right. like if you used his properties you had to put him in your movies was a thing but like also prior to him becoming what he now is he was very famously like a new york yeah celebrity donald from queens yeah <laughs> exactly and like snl used to parody him all the time because he's like a yeah, like he's in he used to be very much associated with New York City specifically. Now I feel like he's Florida man. Mar-a-Lago is what he's associated with. So I just wonder how long does he hang on 
to that building that tra- mm-hmm. that this giant monument to him in a city that like does not like him and is continually prosecuting him for both criminal and civil offenses. <laughs> and I feel like we pay because just because they are the Trump buildings, like they are, they're still, it's not always intense, but there's always a couple NYPD cars and officers outside all the buildings, just like keeping an eye out. Yeah. And it's always interesting always. when you realize, I always like forget when I go to Columbus Circle or whatever, I always forget that I'm like about to be in the presence of Trump Tower. Yeah, girl, I live on 57th Street. So now like they're both on my way if I want to go anywhere west. It's so funny. Like, yeah, you and it's always a place where you'll see like, that's where you'll see a MAGA hat in New York City is like (laughs) in the vicinity of Trump Tower. But also oftentimes I'll see like, it's, a lot of times it's like tourists wearing Trump merchandise and I'm like I- it's like a stop on your your New York City tour if you're a Trump supporter which is bizarre because there's nothing there cuz I'll often see like foreign tourists that are there too mm-hmm. and they'll have like not a maga hat but they'll have like a Trump Tower shirt and I'm they like they probably think it's like this powerful monument <laughs> to the former yeah, president like, and really they- it's just like eh. It's an office building yeah, that like, still has his name on it. Yeah, and I'm like, you actually probably want to take that off if you go anywhere else in the city. <laughs> <laughs> take that off before you go to Via Corona. Exactly, yeah. Where exactly. apparently all the other queers are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, queer space, Via Corona. <laughs> so it's it's going it's gonna to be a, um, a very eventful, eventful fall for Donald J. Trump. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So now on to our main news. Elise, I don't remember stepping back into a time machine, but the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has brought us back to 2015. There are All right. We have some updates about Mifepristone. Fairly confusing again. We talked about the specifics of the ruling from the Texas judge on Monday's episode, so definitely make sure you've listened to that first. But in terms of what happened last night, that's very late Wednesday night. This appeals court, which is known to be pretty conservative right now, it's two Trump judges and a Bush judge, I think a W. Bush judge. They paused part of the ruling from last week. That ruling demanded the FDA pull mifepristone from the market by tomorrow. These, this, 
I'm never good at understanding like what these legal back and forth, but this one especially is just so full of double negatives. I don't know about you, but it's just like pauses the ruling with the injunction and the stay. And it's just, it's, I can never, it's always very, very confusing to me. So I imagine. Yeah. It's also. An average reader, it's very hard to follow. Right. And it's part of the reason why really we shouldn't be involving courts in medical medications, things of that nature. Um. Yeah, it really shouldn't be up. The to problem them. is that we don't. Un- I don't understand the words. It's that they don't belong anywhere near these other words. Yeah, it's very. Um, it's it's confusing, but it's designed to be confusing because, again, as we discussed on the Monday episode, part of what they the anti-abortion people want is for people to not really understand what their options are, what access they have. Like the confusion serves them, even though this ruling actually is better than what the situation was before. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. Okay. So actually this morning I was like playing around with chat GPT and I wanted to see, I'm not using chat. Everybody, my bosses and followers, we are not using chat GPT to create content, but I am generally uh, curious in my own life and work because this is what I do and what I think I want to do, you know, forever is create content. Um, that sounded really depressing, but you know what I mean. Be part of the knowledge economy. So I, mm. so I was like curious if I asked ChatGPT because people are using it to like make captions and stuff. And I was playing around with it and like, you know, I was like, write a social media post about like a hyaluronic acid, and it does a very good job. It pulls the hashtags, but then I asked it to write a social media caption about you know the Fifth Circuit ruling, and it was like. <laughs> a Thursday to celebrate. <laughs> like, no, like, no, like, here, here for pill o talk. And it, it definitely did not oh, pull no. in. It definitely here, here didn't pull in. An, it definitely did not pull in enough information to know the context that this ruling was like good and bad. But anyway, just an aside, it was quite interesting to me to sort of see that like, it's not quite able to pull in all of the extremely relevant context um, to really kind of like process those. I also asked it to write, I might post these, but I asked it to write slogans for a Democratic presidential campaign and a Republican presidential campaign. And they're very different in like a very funny, uh, buzzworthy way. So I don't know if if, if you aren't playing around with ChatGPT, just, just do it while AI is still fun and exciting. So don't, yeah, don't ask ChatGPT to, to parse this, this ruling for you because it's like good and it's a little bad. So the Biden administration had asked them to this appeals court to pause Kazimark's ruling. And they said, okay, we'll pause just a little, like as a treat. The court said that the FDA's original 23-year-old approval of Bifepristone could stand because basically like that was too long ago. You people claiming to have a problem, like you can't challenge it anymore. But apparently, as long as you challenge the FDA's authority more efficiently, they will let you do that. That's why I mentioned the year 2015, because they allowed the ruling to suspend more. They allowed the part of the ruling that suspended more recent guideline changes. So this will let this could let huge changes take effect that would make it much, much harder to access Mifepristone, even if it remains on the market, like like this appeals court said that it must. The reason, but they they agreed that the anti-abortion medical groups have standing, period. These groups claim, this is crazy, Elise, these groups claim that when complications arise at home for medication abortion, which they can, and you are told that in very clear terms, yeah. but if like that does happen- that you get any when pill, you receive the little- Any pill, gender-affirming care, from, to, to that and ibuprofen, you all know the risk for birth control. Yeah, you get the People little pamphlet aware. that says this- Stuff can happen when when you go on Accutane. You get a crazy pamphlet, <laughs> yeah, the scariest pamphlet possible that has like literally pictures of babies with birth defects. So it's like this is not different. What are they doing? I mean, a lot of people asked this question when Roe was first overturned. I heard it a lot, and I never really was able to get an answer. And I, I didn't look, but it's like, yeah, what about if you're on fucking Accutane? You sign a thing promising not to get pregnant, and if you do. I don't know if you vow not yeah. to have it, but anyway, I'm sure that happens. Think about the the women and Think. pregnant persons with acne. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. So the reason these groups like apparently even have standing is because like we said, they're like, you know, if there are complications that arise, people go to the hospital and they're like, then we have to deal with it. And at least they don't want to deal with it. They say they're required to divert their other resources to care for these patients and that they just morally uh, don't really want to. And I'm just sort of like, can you fucking imagine if they said that about guns to try to ban guns? You know, like. I mean, 
Yes, that. And, and it's relevant. Two, that's what a hospital is. That's the, what, like, it's crazy where to say, you guys like, work? we're diverting resources. It's like, no, you're using the resources as they're supposed to be used because someone has come to the hospital. That's what uh-huh. a hospital is. Every single person who arrives at the hospital is diverting resources, quote unquote, from potentially doing other stuff. <laughs> but that's it's what just, the hospital is. It's just one of those, like, the one of those... I know it's the most cliche reference, but like one of those handmaids thing where it's like, you just hate women. You're just like, mm, we couldn't, it's just like taking a bit too much of our time and energy to save women's lives when they're bleeding from a, from a complication from this that is not nearly as common that they are saying. It's, it's crazy. And the appeals court said, yeah, that makes sense. We get that. They said as a result of the FDA's failure to regulate this potent drug, these doctors have had it to devote regulated. significant time and resources to caring for women experiencing mifepristone's harmful effect. And this harm is officially concrete. Again, these these this opinion used super anti-abortion weird forced birthy language, including that. Like the FDA has regulated. They are aware that this can happen. Like every other every medication has risk. People show up to the hospital all of the time. Like it's part of being in a in a People society with advanced medicine. Because they blew their hand off with a firecracker. Like, what are you talking about? You're gonna sue no them? Crazy. It makes no sense to be like, well, some people have a complication in the hospital. Well, the hospital can't be dealing with medical problems. That I, I, that is a shocking argument to me. Wow. Yes, and these three judges were like, "Yep, cool, totally agree." Um, and they also were like, "And also, you have to go against your your moral um, obligation." Which there are some laws, unfortunately, especially with this judiciary, that um, really take religious freedom quite far. And yeah, like if every judge, like doctors, you can't turn away every patient based on your moral, like you don't ask every person with a gunshot wound, like whether they started it. You don't, you don't see somebody with, I feel like it's in every fucking medical drama where a Jewish doctor sees somebody with a swastika tattoo and it's like, oh, what do I do? And it's like, you have to fucking treat the body that is in front of you. And I, it's it, it barely, this is just, yeah, I, I, it is stunning to read this, just to see the phrase divert medical resources. To, yeah. to saving women's lives. And again, and, yeah. like, I mean, to your point, which is the perfect point, how many medical resources are diverted a year because of gun violence? An unbelievable, a way amount. more than people who have mifepristone-related complications. Way more. Yeah. There's a whole season of uh, Netflix or a show called Emergency NYC, and it's like the second season of one that they did before where it's just like it's kind of tough to watch, but they just follow New York doctors in their lives at a couple hospitals and the types of things. And this season, definitely their thesis statement was like guns are are taking up a lot of our time, and we are we are having to – like one one second can have a kid in the hospital for, for months and months on end. But yeah, anyway – Bizarre that this court – it's interesting because it's its two Trump, Trump appointed judge and one Bush appointed judge. And the Bush appointed judge is a woman. And even she was like, I think the FDD, FDA should do what it wants to do. <laughs> like I would have just let this ha- – let, let it be available in the meantime. I mean the fact that they couldn't even bring themselves to go whole hog and just uh, like keep this ruling in place 100 percent. Just goes to show how weak the case actually is, because clearly these are people who are inclined to find a way to do this in any way. So and it's like a known conservative court. So like to me, even though what this argument makes no sense and is very sneaky, it's like that's the only straw that they could grasp at Mm -hmm. with this because it is so... It's just such a clearly bogus case to begin with that even this super conservative Trump Bush court had to be like, guys, we can't do all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we can't right. do a whole thing. Come right. On so right. Do you, so do you think that the FDA needs judicial oversight or don't you? And their claim that like, okay, it was twenty three years ago, so you can't claim that you would have had to tell us earlier that the pill was causing you all these problems. But the other changes are recent enough that we know maybe it's causing you these problems. But those changes happened as a result of the prior twenty years of of successes, and like, 
to whatever extent incidences of complications are up, I, I imagine they correlate directly to the fact that just use of medication abortion is up considerably, especially since Roe. So let's talk about those guidelines that the judges did um, leave in place or or new FDI guidelines rather that they said, uh-uh, I can't do that. So they involve changes that the Food and Drug Administration made to how you can access misoprostone in 2015 and 2021. One of those changes approved use of the pill for up to 10 weeks into pregnancy instead of seven weeks. So this court is saying, okay, mifepristone can be back on the market, but you can only use it up to seven weeks. These three judges. Another, in 2021, during the pandemic, there were changes to allow it to be a couple changes. One, that it could be uh, prescribed by some health providers other than doctors, like probably nurse practitioners, physician's assistants. A lot of times, that you, the people that you see when you go to the doctor's office or the gynecologist. And also permitted mifepristone to be mailed to patients instead of requiring it to be picked up. Um, there was a requirement that you had to take the second pill in person as well as the first. Within the opinion, like I said, there was just a lot of anti-abortion language. It's very clear these judges just, like you said, they feel personally weird. They're like, we just we just can't let it all stand. We gotta we gotta we gotta roll it back a little. And they just came up with a bizarre justification for that. Um, just a few minutes ago, the Biden administration said, yep, we're, we're asking the Supreme Court right now to intervene here and make sure that Mifepristone is completely um, available. You know, we said on Monday that- The U.S. Supreme Court? The U.S. We'll see. <laughs> Which Supreme Court? Yeah, no Court? conservative judges. Like, <laughs> you know, but I have heard some, like they were saying on strict scrutiny that like even this Supreme Court would be wild to buy this, but- Come on. I, I how many times have we tried to delude ourselves into that before? Is I don't Clarence know. Is Thomas still on there? Alito? <laughs> the whole the, uh, the Clarence Thomas still is there, on a yacht so. in, in New Zealand, so Yeah, I mean Let's tell him that somebody wants to make a portrait of him so he can't be there that day. <laughs> exactly right. It's, I want to show I, you some Nazi memorabilia. I do wonder, like, okay. So my question is, since misoprostol is still available, still approved up to 10 weeks, I I guess maybe a misoprostol-only option could fill in that 7 to 10-week gap. That's a good um, point. Yeah. But again, I mean, it's like, number one, I don't know. Number two, as we said, the misoprostol-only option is more painful, which is fucked up. Disgusting. And... Yeah, again, it's just like the confusion that this creates serves the anti-abortion people. As I was writing this up for the newsletter today, they were saying that like there's also still a big question about what any of this means about the Washington ruling. Yes, that thank you. Preserved mifepristone in like 17 states in DC. So it's like it's just creating an enormous amount of confusion during a time in someone's life where like they are already experiencing emotional upheaval and again with all of these you know week 15 week bans six week bans this that and the other thing it's time people don't have to parse through what they what is allowed and what's not and can I get it in the mail can I not should I go to another state should I take this? Da, 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 da. Like it's it it's we put people, women and anyone else who's pregnant on a timeline and then put all of these obstacles in their way to like try and stop mm-hmm. them from being able to access abortion in a safe way. And and as we've said, you know, multiple times on the podcast is that when you're pushing people to wait, you're pushing them into the second trimester, which is a much more complicated procedure and harder to access. And also like, okay, if if people have to pursue misoprostol only, and we know that that is successful and effective, and we should absolutely message to people that if you are pregnant and don't want to be, that, that is, you should pursue that and that's available. But if it has more side effects, like more diarrhea, bleeding, nausea, I have to imagine that's going to send more scared people to the hospital that these doctors who don't want to deal with them are going to have to deal with, whether they need to be there or not. I mean, how many people at the emergency room are there because they need it, 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 they had a headache, they want to check out and make sure it's not something else? I've gone to the emergency room for a panic attack. Perception of something really seriously wrong happening is what sends a lot of people there. And you're going to make people bleed more and have more pain. And you think they're, you're going to... These doctors presumably think that that means they're going to have to deal with completing medication abortions less. Like, it's just so dumb. They're caught between that 
and and forcing people later into complicated pregnancies, this is just not obviously we we know they're full of shit, but the idea of this making doctors' lives easier by eliminating abortion is crazy. Right. Again, and we were talking about this on the Monday episode. NPR did uh This American Life did a whole thing about like people who have tried to access abortion since the Dobbs decision. And one of the things they talked about is we are now seeing an uptick in second trimester abortions, which are more prone to complication. Like there's just a lot more potential for difficulty there. You're yeah, you're bleeding a lot more again. The pain is more, there's more potential for things to go wrong. So it's like, yeah, this actually puts a higher burden on hospitals, but I mean, the entire argument is bullshit and it's purposefully bullshit. This is just the only thing that this court could even cling to. Right. Well, we'll have to wait to see what Brett and Amy and Clarence and Samuel and John have to say. And the whole gang. Whole gang's all there. We'll see. Like I said, I've I've heard some smart legal people say like even they – but I don't know. Like they let SB8 – Stand and and to be clear, like I don't think they would be ruling on the the whole thing, just um, whether the status quo should be maintained uh, so that people can just sort of not dramatically change. And the judges do you have an obligation to consider the actual impact? For me, I'm just like even they nothing. There there is nothing I would put past yeah, no. them. Yeah. There is nothing that I think they are above doing. Um, I don't think we. I really actually feel up in the air about it because sometimes they do stuff and I'm like, oh, I thought they were going to do something horrible here and then they didn't. And then other times they overturn Roe v. Wade after 50 years. So (laughs) it doesn't feel great to have this stuff be in their hands. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Even they might is we deserve better consolation than that when it comes to this very important right. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and a of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right. Next up today, two of the nation's most trusted news sources have departed Twitter this week. They are National Public Radio and our own Elise Morales. I did. A I moment. my account. A moment. What a no so, more tweets I mean, for me. No more tweets. And as as I've said every podcast, I cannot access my Twitter account, and there is no one there answering my emails. Uh, also, nobody from Instagram is answering my emails. So if you could help us out there, that would be great. We're trying to tweak our handle, and literally cannot. It is. <laughs> Social media is in its flop era, particularly Twitter. Things are once again getting real bad over at Twitter because Elise left, of course. And the platform is taking a series of actions that alienated some of its most loyal supporters and some news outlets that held on. Things really heated up when Twitter began adding state-affiliated media tags to news broadcasters that receive any public funding, like the BBC or NPR. And that basically is treating NPR the same as Russian state media, And um, in case it's not. NPR called Musk to explain how their business model really works, and he admitted he got it wrong, but he just changed the tag to government-funded media, which is only like 5% better. NPR was like, we don't like that either. NPR is a private nonprofit company. It has editorial independence, unlike 
like, you know, RT for Russia, only 1%, 1% of its $300 million annual budget comes from the Corporate uh, Association of Public Broadcasting. Right. And the rest comes from us buying tote bags. Precisely, precisely. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> or just adding it to your to-do list and not doing it. <laughs> Only Musk said he'd consider changing it again to publicly funded, but NPR was like, you know what? This is too broken to fix. Uh, a leader said, we have lost faith here. We've lost trust that in the decision making. And lastly here, Twitter also lost goodwill with a lot of journalists who had stayed on the platform and been really loyal to it when they announced that they would remove links to Substack because Substack is creating its own kind of like Twitter-like tool. Um, I probably shouldn't even say Twitter-like, like Twitter sort of has a patent on this, but just, just a tool allowing creators to post short statements. So, you know, before we kind of get into all of that and how news organizations have reacted, at least what, what made you deactivate? Um, okay. It was a couple of things. Number one, they promised that they would free me from my blue check mark and they never did. And I actually wanted to be freed from it because people, it's got a weird vibe now. Yeah. People treat you crazy on that website. If you have one, because they think it means that you're a journalist or something. And I'm like, I literally got this because everyone on the cartoon that I was working on got it. Like I right. cannot and like I'll tweet like, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I've talked about how people have been crazy to me on Twitter in general. I think because when they see something come from a blue check mark person, people just act weird. So that was kind of number one thing. Then they like did this weird thing where they said they were going to remove them. And I was like, finally, freedom. But then instead, they just made it so you can't tell if someone has it because they paid for Twitter or they yeah. were a legacy blue check mark. And I was like, I literally can't live in a world where anyone is confused into thinking that I've paid for Twitter. I cannot have that on my heart. And then there was one morning I woke up and I was looking at it. And I was scrolling it and I realized every single thing that I had seen upset me. Mm-hmm. And was making me angry. And that every single thing that I had seen was meanness and cruelty and just like messed up my psyche in a way that like obviously all social media has an ability to do that. You know, I've gone on Instagram holes that have made me feel bad. But this it was different and it made me realize like literally why am I here? What benefit am I getting from being on a platform where if I do have a post that quote unquote does well, all that does is open me up to insane viciousness from psychopaths. And when I'm just casually perusing it, because I kind of stopped tweeting regularly a while ago for that exact reason. I was just like, there's literally not a single thought that I could put on here that is worth the bizarre behavior of the other users on this immediate reply guys. Yeah. Yeah. People who are just like, I I mean, truly antisocial behavior. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so I was just using it kind of to peruse things or like to see what's up and realizing that that also was making me feel bad Mm -hmm. was kind of my final straw where I was like, I'm just not, like I I'm I don't need to be on here anymore because for all of their faults or whatever Instagram does not purposefully serve me stuff that upsets me. Sometimes I will end up seeing something that upsets me because the world is how the world is, but like Instagram is, is not personally pur- purposefully serving me stuff to make me angry and TikTok is actually tries to serve me stuff that makes me feel nice though sometimes I I do get a lot of Karen freak out videos which I (laughs) live in a gray area they don't make me feel nice I do kind of sometimes get mad and I'm like this Karen is horrible and then I'm like I need to move away from this (laughs) this is not helping anyone but but I started to notice that Twitter more than any other site since maybe Facebook which I left a gazillion years ago is was literally trying to show me stuff to upset me and was successfully Mm -hmm. doing so and I was just like I can't have this because I was laying in bed it was like the first thing I looked at in the morning my morning scroll and then I was like amazing so it's 8 15 a.m and I'm pissed off about something that I didn't give two shits about 10 minutes ago when I woke up so it's just like 
it was it, it its value to my life i realized was zero mm-hmm. yeah and i mean that all is 100% correct and i feel like there was a period where you just people felt there was a, there was a pile on of the day there wasn't always like a innocent person that didn't deserve it but it's like look at this you know headline that was just slightly poorly written. Sometimes it was deserved. Sometimes it wasn't. Or you would see like a viral tweet that you would really agree with and then the first and make you feel good and validate your opinion or make you feel like you understood a hard issue in a new way. And then the first reply would be somebody being like, actually this. And like sometimes they are making a great point and that's important to be there so that, you know, the viral tweet, people have the context. But most of the time it was just like, Oh, so now I feel like an idiot for a belief I just adopted two minutes ago. And yeah, as you the I was willing to stick around and I enjoyed still scrolling it because it, it served a great news purpose for us. You got great commentary from experts. It was a, it did a good job of like whenever there was something meaningful and important and big happening, surfacing like the best expert on that. But yeah, over time, just like my feed was garbage. It was either all like there's just no, like you said, there's no positive. And I also feel that instinct where it's like, yeah, within minutes of starting my day, but like you said, it being furious about something that does not affect my life at all. And I could have just as like happily gone on not knowing. Not in an ignorant back to brunch way, just in a like this truly doesn't matter way. Exactly. In a way of like someone becomes Twitter's main character because they posted something that is dumb or bad or whatever. But at the end of the day, why am I mad about this 22-year-old who thinks that sex scenes should be cut from every single movie? Like, why do I, like, yeah, I think they're wrong, but literally why is this creating, like, a feeling of anger inside me where now I'm Googling around and looking and being like, what are people saying about this? This person's wrong. This person's crazy. This person's right. And I'm just like, this is not a healthy place to be. I'll miss it for, like, live events. I liked checking it for, I I think it did serve a purpose that was fun for like text-based jokes, live events. I will miss it. But that, but even that has degraded so much since he took over that I'm just like, you know what? Something else will fill the gap of this at some point. And in the meantime, what, I got from those little moments of Twitter being fun, like when Trump was like indicted and arrested or whatever. Four seasons total landscaping. Yes, exactly. Those little flashes of fun moments started to be fewer and farther between. And also what I got from them was not worth how just not how skeezy the site was starting to feel. And what I have actually noticed, because now that I don't have an account, But if you go to the Twitter homepage just as like a blank slate with no account, you see a lot. It's always Elon's shit up at the top and then a lot of like weird right wing stuff. And I'm like, this is what this website is becoming. And I really don't need to be there here. There was a time when it was actually really useful for the newsletter because they used to have that like moments, events section and it would actually round up a lot of really good sources. It was kind of like heat map of what people were talking about. And and it wasn't always worth uh, actually covering. It didn't always have news value, but a lot of times it did. And it sort of, yeah, gave you a sense of like what people were talking about and what we could add context to. Exactly. Like Twitter moments for a time, events, whatever, it was called different things. For a time, it was part of my, like, morning, like, roundup of, like, these are the different sources I check to figure out what's going to go in the newsletter and whatever. And it was actually really helpful because when it did correspond with something I was going to put in the newsletter, it would round up, again, like, expert opinions, original sources, good articles. Like, that was actually useful. But that is completely gone from the website now. Yeah. And it just started to be something where I was, like, the value of this is literally zero to me. You and NPR. <laughs> me and NPR, I know. You and NPR. You and NPR. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. 
Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. All right, we will move on to today's Republican Unit. Republican Unit, defund libraries. This is satire. Missouri House Republicans voted to defund all of these states' public libraries this week. The Republican governor was down to give the libraries $4.5 million in the state budget, but House Republicans decided instead to retaliate against library professionals in the state. I'll read that again. Decided instead to retaliate against library professionals. You ever met a library professional? They're the nicest people. They don't, you don't need to be retaliating against them. I mean, they're really fierce in this fight, but it is very comical to make them your fucking target. So library professionals are like some of the trade groups in the state. I don't know if trade groups is the right, but the associations filed a lawsuit questioning the constitutionality of a prior bill in Missouri called Senate Bill 775. That bill had resulted in more than 300 books getting banned from school libraries, many of which just included LGBTQ characters and racial justice themes. This law also threatened teachers and libraries with $2,000 fines, so really just a chilling effect. Missouri state lawmakers, the reason they don't want to fund the libraries is because they say that using state dollars to fund libraries would fund these litigation efforts. That's not true. That's a lie. The ACLU is representing these groups pro bono, and the library organizations doing, they don't receive state funding. It's not like the group of Missouri public librarians where like you get a per diem from the state for your meetings. These are separate groups. And it also makes, I think, no sense to public to punish public libraries because the the laws that they're trying to defend deal with um, like school libraries, public libraries, I think are held to like even stronger standards about the First Amendment. So it's really just making a target out of public library, libraries and deciding to solve your problem by potentially, you know, not funding them at all. This bill has a, four, a few more steps before becoming law. Missouri House Republicans, they cut the governor's budget by $2 billion. They also got rid of like some daycare stuff, some paid leave stuff from the Republican governor's budget. So I sense that he's going to have some notes for them overall. I don't think that this Republican governor of Missouri, Missouri is pretty red, but you know, I don't think he wants banning public libraries or defunding them. I don't really think he wants that on his resume. But this is just crazy where they're like, well, we couldn't possibly. We'll just no libraries at all. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, look at yourselves in the mirror. Banning, like, like actually say it out loud. We're going to defund public libraries. Say that out loud and let it hang in the air and honestly tell me that's something that you as a legislator want to be a part of. But it is really sad because, I mean, a lot of like low income people and kids use libraries as especially public libraries as like a safe, comfortable place to like be when they can't be at home or elsewhere like we have so few in this country we have so few just like truly public spaces that you're allowed to just go and be and a library is one of them and it's like also a place where you could choose to enrich yourself Mm -hmm. if you would like to without having to spend money on buying a new book every time you want to read one exactly it's It's really, it really is crazy because it's like, you know, people who 
whatever, can't afford books for school, we'll go to the library and check it out of the library instead. Like, but also it's just, there really is a, sh- a shrinking of just places where a kid or teen or anyone, any person can just be without being like having to make a purchase or having to have a reason to be there. And like, I've seen stuff where people are like lamenting that kids don't hang out with their friends anymore and they don't do this and that. And they're in the house on the computer. And it's like, there's nowhere for them to go. We don't. Yeah, we got have, no malls or libraries. I mean, different purposes and different uh, relationship to the government, but it's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's like it. It is a situation where we just do not have public spaces really available to people, and but loitering is a crime. So if you're, you know, you can't just go be somewhere that's not allowed. I doubt these lawmakers even considered that. Like, I don't think. And if if somebody was like, you know, this is where a lot of kids go after school in lieu of daycare or where a lot of people- To do their homework in a quiet place where they have reliable internet access. A lot of people have to do that. I mean, Missouri is a pretty rural place too. I imagine there are kids who don't have, or adults, anyone- who don't have maybe the most reliable internet access, but a public library would have that. There are kids who don't really have a quiet place at home to get their homework done, college students the same, whatever. Anyone, anyone can use a quiet, nice place full of books where they can get some work done. But according to these House Republicans in Missouri, a library is simply a place to buy gay porn. Yeah, exactly. That is what they think. And and shutting them down and defunding them will have no negative consequence. And uh, this isn't the only place where the actual existence of libraries is under threat. One more thing here. Book banning politicians uh, would also rather close a library potentially in Texas. A judge ordered officials in one Texas county to return 12 banned books to the shelves. There's a lawsuit proceeding about whether those books were removed because the themes were actually inappropriate or the officials disagreed with them. There are residents who say their First and 14th Amendment rights are being violated with those books gone. And uh, basically a judge was like, you got to put those back while this plays out. And um, the officials there are considering whether or not they should just cease operations of the current physical Lano County library system. They are citing like, we don't have enough staff or whatever, but this seems to be in reaction to this. And it's just like, really, there's no political will from your local lawmakers to keep public libraries open in these areas. It's, and that's a real national nightmare. It's also like, it's very funny because when I was writing this up for the newsletter, the titles for, for in this Texas situation, mm-hmm. like the books, it ranges from like really fucked up stuff for them to take out of the library. Like there was like a book on the KKK that the, like the history of where it came from. They removed that. There was one that sounds, seems like a pretty basic like puberty book that your parent would like, just like Mm -hmm. that a parent who doesn't want to talk to you would just like leave on your bed and be like, here you go. You're 13 now. The care keeping of you. There was also one called Larry, the farting leprechaun, which they removed. And then there was like another farting, Relate like farting animal related book. Somebody and I'm just like, in that selection committee just has like a farting kink and is like, this is sexual. Yeah, I'm just like, I mean, I guess whether or not kids have access to Larry the farting leprechaun, <laughs> I don't, I, I care less about that than stuff about like the history of racism in the United States, but also like, I don't know, let him read Larry the farting leprechaun. What are you talking about? Were- if not, let his parent let their parents take it away from them. Like Right, exactly. Let their parents say like, "Hey, you can't read Larry the farting leprechaun cuz we don't want you to think farts are funny. They are funny, but we don't want you to think that. Mm-hmm. We don't want you relating fart related." <laughs> And that relates all the way to something like Beloved, which does have tough themes that are important for kids. To, to reckon with and understand. And that is part of right. being a person educated, being educated in society. And also, I think the number of like seven year olds who are taking out Beloved is probably not that many. Like, it's, <laughs> no, it's usually probably teenagers, p- older minors who are able to sort of contend with some of these themes. Um, I think I read Beloved in If college. your seven year old is checking out Beloved because he or she or they wants to read it, 
um, you should start saving for Ivy Leaf College. And yeah, that's incredible. Actually, you should see if they're telekinetic because you've got a Matilda on yeah. your hands. You've got a little right. genius. So <laughs> so don't yell at the librarians about it. Just try to put try to put their talents to good use. But yeah, this stuff is insane. And, you know, Emily Amick over at Emily on your phone is really working hard on some really cool campaigns to really, really focus on this ahead of, you know, elections. Because unfortunately, we talk a lot about national politics on our show and we always will. That's kind of our thing. But, um, you know, the reality is that these these are very small positions that a lot of people, it doesn't occur for them to run for. But the people that want to ban books um, have stepped up to the plate. And we would love for them to step down. And in order to do that, some of us have to have to rise to the occasion. So we did in our men okay on Monday. So our little our little cherry on top today will be. I mean, I guess we could discuss if Rupert Murdoch's okay. It sounds like he's um not the best he's ever been. A new Vanity Fair report has some just really satisfying nuggets about the 92 year old billionaire. So he ended his relationship with his ex wife Jerry Hall last summer. Did you read the letter that he wrote her? <laughs> The email? The email, excuse me. He emailed her that he wanted a divorce? Specifically, he emailed her, Jerry, sadly, I've decided to call an end to our marriage. We have certainly had some good times, but I have much to do. My New York lawyer will be contacting yours immediately. Too busy to be married to you anymore. I love the idea of ending a relationship with, it's been good, but I have much to do. (laughs) Oh, I got shit to do. Jerry, I can't be married. My lawyers will be in touch. Oh, man. I really think the next time you uh, are busy and Danny makes any ask of you whatsoever, you're like, look, this has been great, but this relationship has run its course. I have much to do. I know. I'll email him. That's so <laughs> funny to me to email, hey, sorry, yeah. it's not working out. Just jerryhall like, at gmail.com. I want to know the subject of the email and the email signature that he used. If that isn't in the Vanity Fair, then somebody needs to come forward with it now. Hall was apparently devastated by this, particularly she was annoyed because he left her after she had helped care for him during a lot of health scares. Like I said, he's 92. She's in her mid to late 60s. Uh, For example, he fell off a yacht and broke his neck in 2018. And she had to care for it. Like that required very rigorous care. It happened somewhere where they couldn't even get him into a hospital that was open. So he just like sat with a broken neck under a gurney uh, overnight. And stories like that are perhaps why he is also requesting as part of the divorce settlement that Jerry Hall cannot uh, provide any any details about their lives together to the writers of Succession for storylines. This is not a joke. This is apparently, according to Vanity Fair reporting, part of the divorce settlement proceedings. Which is in and of itself, something that, like, I don't think the succession writers need to talk to Jerry Hall. I'm sure she has some very interesting tidbits that we don't have. But just the Vanity Fair article in and of itself and what is public knowledge because of the proceedings or whatever, the email, all of that is already enough for them, though, of course, they cannot include any new behavior from the Rupert Murdoch stand in any longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No spoilers yeah. here, but well, yeah, that's true. Well, apparently, I mean, I think, I think, I think the people know. Apparently, also after yeah. he, uh, he also had previous back injuries because one of his wives, he claimed that she threw him into a piano. A lot of relationship troubles with with this. Was it man Wendy? And uh, yeah, it was Wendy. That's what he said. <laughs> Yeah. Wendy threw him into a piano. That's I funny. love when like just every detail is rich with wealth. It's like the I lost half a day skiing. It's like all of his injuries mm-hmm. relate to falling off a yacht or being pushed into a, a piano. A in piano. <laughs> if you have a piano in your apartment, you had to get it airlifted in there. You got money. Yeah, that's very interesting. He also like he had an engagement recently and then yes, he called yes, it yes. off after two weeks. So he's like a runaway bride kind of. <laughs> As one article I read stated, quote, Murdoch is facing a challenging time in his business as well as his personal life, which is just music to our ears. He is dealing with this Dominion voting uh, who is suing Fox for some of the allegations that the people that work there, that work there made. And uh, Andy doesn't know who's going to take over the company. He doesn't know. His he kids doesn't are a little know. dumb and a little smart. Apparently, so like they already <laughs> think that somebody – from within is talking to succession. So they're like, okay, we got it. We got to stem the flow with Jerry. Yeah. Jerry. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. 
Uh, if you if you uh, did let's let's I mean God forbid God is forbid but but if you if we did end our relationships is there is there anything in particular that you would absolutely forbid Danny from talking Would you like actually concede real things so that he wouldn't talk about it that you would say on the podcast I mean I guess if there was a show about my life mm. like a very popular HBO show about my life I'd be like. <laughs> You can't, you can't talk about my snoring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't talk about my gastrointestinal issues. <laughs> Mine would just probably have to be like, I don't want to get too specific and I've never said anything crazy, but like you, you ever say something where like, I'll say something and Mike's like, that's a very Republican thing to say. Just, just sort of like not even about politics, but just in like a life thing. So I, I would, I would say that he is forbidden from from disclosing any of those. Should I ever run for office or or aspire to some other left-wing media, you know, yeah. leadership role? Don't talk to the press Beyond. about the three days before my period, how I act. <laughs> exactly. Don't tell them anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> anything that happened during these three days over the past the duration of the You're past 12 years. from speaking. <laughs> That's actually genius. There's there's probably a very savvy uh, divorce divorce lawyer that already has that agreement mapped out. That is our show for today. We'll be back on Monday. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.